If you're thankful this morning that you have a good father that loves you, say amen. amen. He loves us so much that he draws us to himself, but aren't you glad that he doesn't leave us as we were, but that he spends our entire lifetime changing us and molding us more into his image. I'm so glad for the change of, of, that God wants to take place in our life if we'll embrace it. If you're glad for that, say amen. Well, this morning we, uh, we're going to begin a new sermon series. Uh, the title of the series is uh, Mission Possible. And over the next uh, few weeks, we're going to be looking at some of the parts of the mission of our Christian walk, you know, things that God calls us to, things that God, that God calls us to be. And there's a lot of those things that we look at and we say, you know what, there, there's just no way. Like, God, I know you're calling me to be like that or be like this, but I don't see how it's even possible. And, uh, and we look at those things, we may not verbalize it, but a lot of times we just think it's impossible. But as we, as we look at some of these areas over the next few weeks, my prayer is that we will discover once again that there is nothing impossible with God. That when God calls us to live a certain way, that along with his calling comes his enablement and his empowerment. And so that's what we're going to look at over these next few weeks. It is possible to live out his mission for our lives. So let's begin. Today... His mission, if you choose to accept it, some of you got it. I was hoping some of you would get it. Today, his mission, if you choose to accept it, is to live expectantly. To live expectantly. Turn with me, James chapter 1. We're going to be in the book of James. And then we're also going to be looking at a passage just, the next, just a couple of pages over in 1 Peter as well. So keep your Bibles open. James chapter 1, we're going to be looking at, at the first few verses. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produce, develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I don't have to tell you this morning that the reality is that none of us, none of us in our lives are exempt from hardship and trials and struggles. It's, it's a part of our life. And it seems that some seasons that come our way, no matter, no matter how hard we try, it just seems like nothing goes right. You ever have seasons like that? I mean, it's bad enough to have a day like that, but it's just sometimes just seasons come our way where it's just nothing goes right at all. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you can relate relate to this a little bit in that context. your heart beating fast? 
Can you relate? Yeah, it's okay. You can clap if you want to. Can you relate? I mean, we know how it feels, right? You know, you, 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 you try things, you try to make things happen, and then the harder that you try, it seems like things still fall apart, and so you come up so, with solutions like nailing the car to the house. That made a lot of sense, right? Um, and that they don't work, and then you see the freight train coming down the tracks, and you think it's all over, only to be spared, and you begin to celebrate and think maybe this season's changing, and then all of a sudden the northbound train catches up with you, right? I mean, we've all been in situations and circumstances like that, and try as hard as you can to know what to know what to do. It seems that things can still end up in shambles. And so, what do I do? I mean, that's really the question. You know, what do I do when I'm facing seasons like this in my life? One of the choices that we have is to throw up the for sale sign and walk away, right? And the other one is to stand firm and persevere. And, and, the, and the, one of the questions that we have to ask as we're thinking about the season that we're facing, the first question we have to ask ourselves is why am I even in this season to begin with? Like why am I in this season? The reality is the answer could be that we're in season, a season like that because we've not sought God's will. Because we've made decisions on our own and we've tried to rely on ourselves and our own wisdom and as a result, I'm facing the consequences of some bad decisions that I've made. If you've been through times of hardship and suffering because of your own bad decisions, say amen. amen. Right? I think we all have been there because of our own bad decisions. We face those consequences because we've tried to do it in our own way. And I'm thankful for God's grace. Because even in those moments when we've tried to do it our own way and we've made a mess of things, even in those moments, aren't you thankful for a God full of grace and mercy and love who comes alongside us in those moments and extends those things to us, right? He doesn't leave us in shambles, but God loves us so much that he comes, and he even helps us navigate out of that if we humble ourselves and turn our hearts to him. Psalm 103, the psalmist reminds us, the Lord is compassionate and he's gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. And the great part is, even when we make those wrong decisions and we sin against God, he's gracious and loving and forgives us and will help us navigate through the mess that we've made. If you could say praise the Lord this morning to that, say praise the Lord right? I'm glad for that. We've experienced that. It takes time, but God is faithful to help us through those situations. Another reason that we can face hardship, though, and suffering is because, are you ready? We're a Christian. Sometimes the reason that we face hardship and suffering is because we're living the Christian life. First Peter chapter 4, the New Living Translation, puts it like this. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. And yet a lot of times when we find ourselves in seasons of suffering and hardship, we feel like what? Something strange is happening to us. It shouldn't be this way. We're shocked, right? And yet Peter reminds us, don't be shocked when you face difficulties living for Jesus. Becoming a Christian doesn't guarantee health and wealth and happiness. In fact, James tells us here, back to James uh, in, in verse 2 from the New Living Translation, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come, not if, right? I mean, it's going to be part of our journey. When troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. And we have to stop there. I don't know about you, but that whole thing with great joy, you kind of want to read over that real fast, right? 
Like, I'm okay with not being surprised about it and all that, but really great joy? Why in the world would I consider suffering and trouble and hardship that come my, come my way an opportunity for great joy? That's upside down in our thinking, right? It doesn't make sense. And yet James answers the question. He answers that question. And it's a perspective that I think probably few Christians really grasp and really believe that is possible in their life, right? And here's, here's what it is. He says, count it joy because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. All right? And here's what that means. Perseverance. It's, it's, this, it's this hopeful endurance. It's this patiently waiting for Christ to work. Because we know that he never fails, so we know that he's going to work. Amen? Right? So it's this endurance, it's this waiting upon him, this joyful anticipation and expecting him to do what only he can do. And James goes on, your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work, here's why, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So that we can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So James is saying here, Peter says, first, don't be surprised. James says, we should persevere when we face trials, expecting Christ to work. Because he will never leave us alone. Even when things are in shambles, Christ is where? Some far off distant place? If our hand is in his, even when it feels like life is in shambles, Jesus Christ is there with us. He is present, our ever-present help in time of need. We sang it. We declared it this morning. The Word declares it. He's right there with us. And ultimately, his goal for us, goal for us is to become more and more like him every single day. And we've talked about it before, but often our greatest periods of spiritual growth come in the most difficult seasons of our life. James recognized that. Peter recognizes that. You see, Christ wants us to mature in him. But often, often, we don't want to grow in, in our journey in the, in the hard times. I read a quote by Mark Batterson, uh, one of my favorite authors, the other day, and here's what he says. I know so many people who have been following Jesus for 25 years, but they don't have 25 years of experience. They have one year of experience repeated 25 times. Let that sink in for a minute this morning. It means that we can walk with Jesus for a long time and still be on the milk and not on the meat. We can walk with Jesus a long time and trial after trial after trial after trial. We're still not growing, right? He wants us to be more like him every day. He wants us to be more like him than we were a month ago or a year ago. And he especially wants us to be more like him than we were 25 years ago. He wants to help us persevere through the struggles that we face and to live expectantly. Live with an expectation that Jesus somehow, some way, even when everything is a mess, somehow he is going to come through. We can live with that expectation. This is the what, we should, this is the what of, of what we should do. The question is how do we do it, right? The question is how do we do it? Or is this a mission impossible? Is it impossible to persevere and to trust and to live expectantly? James is saying here, your mission, should you choose to accept it in the midst of trial and hardship, 
is to trust in God's plan and live this way. It's not impossible. This mission, it's, it's, it's possible if we will put our hand in Christ and if we will allow the power of his Holy Spirit to help us through those times that we face. So how do we do it? Live ex- living expectantly. Well, Peter gives us some direction. So if you're still in James, just turn over a page or two to 1 Peter. And um, I want to give you some things that I believe can help us. How do we live? How do we live expecting God to provide and, and, and him maturing us in the process? Well, here's some things. First, and, and they're basically things that James repeats as well, but they're laid out a little cleaner here in 1 Peter. Here's what he says. First, be joyful. Peter puts it this way in verse 14. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Peter says there are going to be times when striving to follow the will of God that you're going to suffer and you're still going to face hardships, but recognize that in the midst of that, that you're blessed. And when we recognize that we're blessed, joy will fill our heart, right? When we recognize that God is with us and that we we are blessed, joyful comes. Being joyful in the midst, knowing that we're not alone, that God is with us, and that he's going to bring out something better, not only in the situation, but can I remind you of his purpose? His purpose is not just to provide for us in the situations that we face, but his purpose is to mature and grow you and to make you more like him. That's what he wants to do. The only way that we can be joyful is, we, is if we keep this longer perspective, all right? Understand what I'm saying. So often when we're going through it, where's our focus? Right? It's on the situation. It's as far as we can see. We can't see past it. And we need, we need the Lord to help us to have this longer perspective that there is a day coming when this season is going to end. I wasn't going to mention it this morning, but this week I became a grandpa. Thank Yes, that's right. Praise the Lord. And I'm not going to be one of those grandparents who's going to be putting pictures of their grandchildren up in front of your face. I'm just not going to be one of those grandparents, okay? I'm not going to do that. It's not going to happen. <laughs> now, see, I had Michelle edit my slides last night to make sure all, no typos, right? She must have slipped this in, you think? <clears throat> Okay, so since it's up there, oh no, 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 put it back for just a second. <laughs> since it's up there, this is Chloe Nicole. This is my granddaughter. And um, I was thinking about this being a perfect example of, of, of what I'm trying to explain to you today. Um, being joyful while suffering and in the midst of a struggle and yet having an expectation that better days are ahead. Okay, think about it. Struggle suffering at times. I know Nicole, through this, the pregnancy, she had a lot of morning sickness, so there were days when she was struggling through those days, right? And yet, you know, the past nine months, things haven't been easy, but there was a joyful expectation that there's a day coming when this season that I'm experiencing is, is going to be over, and something great is on the way. Are you with me? See, that's what God wants to do in the situations that we face. And yes, she's only a few days old, and I'm already using her for a sermon illustration. I just can't help myself, right? (laughs) Kay was thinking it. I just had to say it. But think about this. He wants to mature and grow us. Trent and Nicole are different people today than they were nine months ago. 
Um, I was talking on the phone with Jaron the other night, and Jaron's like, uh, I can't believe I'm talking to my brother on the phone, you know, because he can tell such a difference just in, in conversation and in his life. Can I just tell you that that's what people should say as we come through the struggles and trials of this life. I don't hardly recognize the person on the other side, not because they're so like this, but because the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ radiates from us. Because he's guided us through the situation in such a way that we have grown and become more like him in the process. See, that's what God wants us to do. And if we can catch this perspective, are you with me? If we can catch this perspective, it will help us to be joyful in the midst of suffering. I'm not talking about happy, and we can go into the difference between happy and being joyful, but I can tell you this, that when we are living in that time, in that season of our life, having it surrendered to God, and we're gonna talk more about it, he is able to put a joy in our heart that no one and no enemy of our soul can take away because he can help us to live expectantly. So the first thing is be joyful. The second is be fearless. Be fearless. The rest of verse 14, let me read again. It says, but even if you should suffer for, for what is right, you are blessed. Here it is, do not fear. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. You see, one of the reasons that we give up and give in to joyless living and complaining and, and, and looking for ways out of the situation that we're in is instead of trusting God to work and putting our trust and our confidence in him, we become fearful. We become afraid of what is going to happen or what we think is gonna happen. When the rug is pulled out from under us, so to speak, and the northbound train catches us off guard, the enemy will lead us to a place in our thinking where we can begin to question and doubt everything. See, this is how the enemy attacks us. And it doesn't matter if we've been walking with Christ for a few months or our entire life, he will try to attack us right here. Things aren't going well. Everything that we've believed about God, we begin to question. And before we know it, the enemy has us afraid instead of standing on the truth of God's word. And fear and anxiety can begin to flood our souls and we're only, because we're only looking at what is happening around us. And we begin to question, am I going to get through this? Will everything work out? And fear, think about it, fear by, by all apparent, by all apparent uh, circum circumstances, it helps us to think that we're surrounded and that the enemy is just knocking at the door, just waiting. I shared with you a few weeks ago that I, I got Michelle a ring for Valentine's Day. You remember what that was? A ring doorbell that you could see who comes to your door, right? If you were here, you remember that maybe? But it's one of those motion video doorbells where when no matter where you are on your phone, somebody comes to the door, you can see who's there. And it's also motion activated. So if somebody just walks up to the door, it kicks on and you can, you can know who is there, uh, whether they ring the doorbell or not. Well, about 10.30 the other night, about 10.30 the other night, the motion scanner alerted us that someone was at the front door. Here's the video. Watch real close. Oh, did you see it? There it goes. Now what you have to understand is that not only goes to Michelle's phone, but it goes to Kendra's phone. So Kendra gets this notification that there's motion at the door and she hits the button and up pops this video 
And all of a sudden, my daughter is in panic mode. She's packing her bags, like I'm not exaggerating. Like she's ready to move out, right? There's a mouse, oh, you know. And she's just going crazy, and I said, now Kendra, slow down a minute. Remember where you are. You're inside. The mouse is where? Outside, outside of our brick house is this mouse. You're on the inside. If you pack your bags and leave, where do you have to go, dear? You gotta go outside. She stayed inside. There are so many situations in our life, think about it, where the enemy of our soul is knocking at our door. He's trying to get us to be afraid and to panic. And sometimes we forget where we are and whose we are. We're inside of the rock of Jesus Christ. If we trust in him as our savior, we're in his house. And nothing formed against us can prosper, right? Why? Because we're taking residence in Jesus. There is nothing, 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 right? That can come against us that he's not greater than. And yet on the inside, we still find ourselves at times beginning to fear and to panic. You see, the enemy knows if he can get us, right? If he can get us to take control, if he can get us to pack our bags spiritually, so to speak, and begin to set out on our own because we feel like somehow we'll be safer, what's going to happen? We're walking right into his trap. And yet so often we become fearful. I have to remind you that there's going to be times when we're going to walk through the fire. There's going to be times when we're going to walk through the water, through the flood. It's going to happen. And he'll allow circumstances to come that's going to challenge and test our faith. But if we'll not give in to fear, and if we'll not run away, but instead keep our eyes on Jesus, he will see us through. And he will mature us, and he will grow us in the process if we will just put our faith and our trust in him. How do I live expectantly right now? in the midst of trial and suffering and hardship. We have to be joyful. We have to be fearless, keep our trust and our confidence in God and believe it's not impossible. And here's the deal, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he'll help us to have the courage and the boldness that we need to stand firm, even when the enemy is trying to knock at our door. The third thing I believe that can help us to live expectantly, not only be joyful and be fearless, but be submissive. 1 Peter 3, verse 15. Just a few words. Just a few words that will absolutely make all the difference. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. You see, here's what can happen if we're not careful. Fear can dwell in our heart. If we're not careful, anxiety can dwell in our heart. If we're not careful, worry can dwell. Bitterness can dwell. A lot of things can dwell in our heart. Peter is imploring here, to replace fear and anxiety with faith and reverence, and here's how we do it, by acknowledging Christ as Lord and Savior. 
You see, we're called to surrender our situations and our circumstances and our very lives to him and recognize his holiness as well as his ability to, re- to, to work in our lives and help us to rest in him. When we humble ourselves and we let the circumstances of our life bow to the lordship of Christ. Now think about that. We let the circumstances of our life bow to the lordship of Christ. Every situation, every trial, every season needs to bow to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Think about it this morning. Our work, it needs to bow to the lordship of Christ. Think about the context of that. Jesus is Lord of all, right? Our work, our situations at work, our problems at work, ultimately, they need to bow before the Lord Jesus Christ. Our family needs to bow before the Lordship of Christ. Our family struggles, bow. Our family problems, bow. Our future, the unknown, we've got to surrender it, folks. It needs to bow before the Lordship of Christ relationships, financial problems, temptations, failure. It all needs to bow before the Lordship of Christ. Why? Because God is greater than anything that we face. Because there's nothing too hard or impossible for him. And yet so often these things rise up and we allow allow them to become these giants in our life. And all of a sudden, at least in, in our focus and in the way we see it, these things become larger than God himself. Say, Pastor, how could you say that? Because that's how we live. That's why we don't grow. That's why we don't mature. Because we've got to believe that no matter what the giant in our life is, that even it can bow before the Lord Jesus Christ. Set apart in your hearts Christ as Lord. He's the reigning king. He's above all power, all authorities, and ultimately all must answer to him. Think about this. We don't have to fear men or circumstances if we've humbled ourselves before God and we've given it to him. Gary Toms in his book, Seeking the Face of God, he makes this statement. He says, Christian health Spiritual maturity would be another way to say that. It's not defined by how happy we are, how prosperous, prosperous or healthy we are, or by even how many people we've led to the Lord in the past year. Christian maturity, Christian health, is ultimately defined by how sincerely we wave our flag of surrender. Amen. It's about how complete, how fully we bow to the lordship of Christ in every aspect of our life. He's saying here that the the major way to measure spiritual maturity is to determine how surrendered we are to Jesus. And I believe that many of the struggles, the greatest struggles in living a healthy, productive, growing Christian life come because of our unwillingness to surrender ourselves wholly and completely to God. You see, we live differently when everything is surrendered. In fact, I would go as far to say that we can't live joyfully and we can't live fearlessly if the situations of our life are not surrendered before God. So here's the question. What are you handling today? In your life, What are you handling? What are you you taking care of on your own? 
What have you thought recently? Hey, you know what? I can handle this. I've got this. What are you trying to handle? What area of your life this morning are you a long way from joyful and a long way from fearless? That's the situation. That's the circumstance that you've yet to make Christ Lord of. That's the circumstance that you've yet to bring before him and say, Lord, I bow the situation to you and to your lordship. You're greater than what's going on in my life in this area. And I bring it before you today. I believe this morning that with all of my heart, that if we really, really believed it, if we really believed it, we wouldn't have enough room in the front of this sanctuary this morning. You see, if we really believed it, we would bow. If we really believed it, we would come and say, Lord, I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I'm not talking about the circumstances. I'm talking about inside. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired inside. I'm sick and tired of the, of the enemy having reign over my life. No matter what is going on around me, I can't get victory. I want you to know today that Jesus Christ wants us to have the victory today. And it's not impossible. Because with God, all things are possible. Andrew Murray reminds us, a, a preacher from years and years ago, God is ready to assume full responsibility for the life wholly yielded to him. Let that sink in. God is ready to assume full responsibility. You know what that says to me? It takes the pressure off of me. We live with the load on us so much. And God is saying, just come to me, submit yourselves. Bow your heart before me. And I've got it. I have to tell you, you can't do it on your own. Living a life, living expectantly, living a life that believes that God is going to come through and provide and help us and give us joy and help us to be fearless, we can't do it on our own. It's only possible as we get this part right, as we submit ourselves to him and trust him to work in us. Because see, here's what happens. When we submit ourselves to him, he so lovingly and graciously not only gives us peace, but this is the key. If we ask him, he'll fill us with his Holy Spirit. He'll breathe into us afresh his living spirit. And can I remind you, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. It's not, it's not uh, um, dependent on our circumstances at all. It's dependent only on our God. Our job is to submit. I have uh, preached myself under conviction this morning. I've got some of those things. I need God's help. I believe it's possible. I believe everything I told you today. And I also believe that just like you, I've got to bow. Stand with me. 
Pastor Nathan's going to come. Father, we're grateful today for your promise. I'm grateful today that we can have victory. I'm grateful today that you can do such a work in our heart that it amazes even us. And I pray this morning that as we seek you, as we bow our hearts before you today, that your Holy Spirit would just continue to dwell with us and that you would make it very personal. Help us today not to leave, not to live one more day joyless and fearful. But help us to receive victory this morning, I pray. Pastor Nathan's going to sing. Maybe you would like to come and join me today as we seek God and his help in our lives and situations.